different world or realms of living on as things called among the stars. Uh, one in five, so of the 60% of the we think there's something. One in five, uh, so actually we don't know. We don't know, we think there's something, but we don't know what that is. That seems to be a pretty important question, isn't it? Life goes quickly. That's the idea that Dad celebrated Father's Day and went to Granddad. So, how fast does life go? And, and before we know it, we have, we're going to confront it with mortality. So, what, what is going to happen? We, we want to know. Actually, we really need to know. So, we've been doing a little series here, if you're visiting with us, uh, over the last uh, seven or eight weeks or so. We're finishing next week, uh, looking at all the questions of eternity. We're trying to uh, see. Answers to some of those big questions, particularly we're looking at well, what does Jesus say? How does he answer some of those big questions about well, what is in the life to come? Jesus said he's going to return. Is that really going to happen? Or when will that happen? What, what happens when that happens? What happens if I refuse his invitation? Will I get a second chance after death? All these questions we've been trying to answer. And the question we're thinking about this morning is, uh, is this question uh, when? Do I get to meet Jesus? So Jesus promised uh, that one day all those who, who love him and know him are his friends, so one day you'll be with him in heaven. If that's true, the question is, well, when? When will that happen for me? And uh, the short answer, if, if you don't know anything else this morning, the short answer is in verse 43 of our reading. At the very end, the last words of the reading, if you've got it, you can look down. Uh, the short answer is this, Jesus says to the people on the cross, you ask Jesus to forgive me, he says, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. But the short answer to the question is, for every follower of Jesus, at the moment you die, you go to be with Jesus. You'll be conscious, you'll be in the presence of Jesus, and you'll be in paradise. That's the, that's the short answer. There's, there's a bit more to say. Uh, that's why I, I kind of put this together for you this morning. If you get one of these in your, your row or someone next to you. We don't often do this. This is perhaps a bit heavier than I normally want to show you. But the reason I did it is because I've known people um, to ask me questions around this. I think, let, let's just try and answer it reasonably quickly. If this goes over your head, this is thing, don't worry at all. Uh, in a few minutes, I want to just try and answer these questions. There's a little bit more to be said. So you've got a diagram uh, with, with Bible verse that looks a bit like this. What happens when you die? Well, actually, there's three things to be aware of. There's also called the intermediate state. You die, your body and soul separates, your soul goes to be with Jesus. Then there's Jesus' second coming. There's the resurrection of all bodies and souls reunited as a final judgment. And then there's the eternal state, the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, so... You can see that here. So the intermediate state is just a few verses for you that demonstrate that. Look at what Jesus says. And Paul says, that it's one I desire to depart and be with Christ. He's from his death. Well, 2 Corinthians 5, we're confident. I say we prefer to be away from the body, at home with the Lord. He's talking about death. When you die, your soul is away from the body. Your soul goes to be with Jesus. So the book of Revelation, John's vision. He sees them beyond to the souls of those who have been slain because of the word of God, and they call out how long the soul is separate from the body, and it is with Jesus in paradise and in heaven. But that's not the end of it. Because at some point, Jesus says he's going to come back. 
Jesus will personally return to the earth. Uh, there will be a resurrection of all bodies and souls will be reunited. Uh, and however Jesus is able to do that, he's powerful, he can do that, he can make that work. They're reunited, and then there's a final judgment. So here's a few verses to that end. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, they'll sit on his throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and they'll separate out. Sheep and goats, in other words, those who believed in him, those who haven't. Or in John's Gospel, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice, and they'll come out, resurrection. Those who have done what, what is good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Paul again, 2 Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due. Uh, us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Or Revelation, the very end there, chapter 20, John's vision, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books are opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And death and Hades gave the death of them, and each of us was judged according to what they had done. Uh, so there'll come a day when we're all, all departed souls uh, will be rejoined to their bodies. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there'll be books. Here's, here's, here's the books that are going to come out. Here's all the folders, boys and girls, that are going to have everything you've ever done written in them. The good stuff and the bad stuff. Everything you've ever said, everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever done, the books are going to come out and the judge is going to go through them. He's going to know everything that he's ever done. And the worrying thing is if, if your life's in like mine, well, well, I know everything in there is good. I know actually God's standard is, is perfection, he's holy, he's perfect. So actually, I, I look at that, that fills me with a bit of fear, because there's a problem here, because there's stuff in those books which I will deserve to be judged for, it would be right that God judge me. I've not lived a perfect life, no one has. So the book's come out, there's another book, there's the book of life. And in the book of life is written all the names of all those who believed in Jesus, and the book of life, all those names are written in there. And he'll go through that book, and, and at that point it won't really matter what's in here, because all of us deserve to be judged because of what's in these books. But if your name's in this book, you believed, you go through with Jesus, the new heaven, and the new earth, you enjoy that forever. So if it's not in here, if you haven't believed, then you, along with the books, and all of this, you swept away forever into the eternal state. That's the third of the three, the eternal state. That's the, the new heaven, the new earth, Revelation 21 describes it, it's this, this holy city. Jerusalem describes a place where God will dwell with us. Uh, we will be his people. God himself will be our God. He'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more death, or mourning, or crying or pain. The old order of things will have passed away. So the next little section, Revelation 22, you see the angel show there's the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing down. And from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse from the throne of God, and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. So that's the, that's the slightly fuller answer to the question. When we meet Jesus, well, we're 
The short answer is, well, as soon as you die, if you're a friend of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, as soon as you die, your soul goes to be with him in heaven. And then the rest of that is, is there for you. If, if you want to come ask me anything about that, feel free. Uh, come and find me afterwards. You can email me in the week. Uh, be in contact. If you want to find out more about that, I'm happy to try, try and answer uh, your questions. But there's a more kind of um, fundamental question here, isn't there? I don't know if it went through your head, it went through mine. The question is this, how do I know I'm in that book? How do I know? Like, I hope my name's in that book. How do I know if my name's in that book? Well, actually, the answer is given us here in this passage about this chap, this guy we call him the thief on the cross. And what do we know uh, about him? Well, he's interesting for us for this reason. He's interesting because... His, his file will look even worse than your file. Uh, this guy, he's, he's not a good guy. He's not, he, he doesn't get to be with Jesus in paradise because he's lived a good life. He hasn't, we're told. Well, actually, Luke describes him as a criminal. Matthew's Gospel actually describes him as a rebel. He, he's a serious criminal. He's not just a, a petty thief. The Romans didn't crucify thieves, really. The crucifixion was the most degrading and humiliating form of punishment. It was reserved for the worst sorts of criminals. It's possible that he was some sort of insurrectionist leading a, a rebellion against the Roman state. We might more accurately see him as a terrorist or something like that. He's a, he's a pretty bad guy. And not only that, um, but actually even in death he mocks Jesus. So Matthew's account... Matthew 27, uh, verse 44, we're told this in the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So here's this guy, he's, he's, he's bottom of the social ladder, he's, he's the, the worst of the worst, he's mocking Jesus in his death, and somehow, at the end of the story, Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise. What on earth happens? How did that guy get his name in this book? There's, a, um, there's an American preacher uh, called, uh, called Alistair Begg. There's a, there's a clip doing this sort of social media around and that thief on the cross. Uh, I recommend you go Google it. It's about a three-minute clip. Um, search Alistair Begg, thief on the cross. It's a very moving clip where he, he, he encourages us to imagine what it must have been like in heaven as this guy shows up. What would it have been like? This, this hardened criminal... He finds himself with Jesus in paradise and, uh, and, and all, all the other people are there and they start to come round him and they, nice to meet you. Uh, what, what, what church did you go to? Never went to a church. What? Never went to a church? Never went to a church. Well, you must have, you must have been baptised. Never, never been baptised. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, have, you, uh, have, you, have you been to a, a Christianity Explore course? Have you, have you sat in a Bible study? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, you, you must know the Lord's Prayer. I don't know the Lord's Prayer. Do you have a favourite Bible verse? I don't know any Bible verses. What about, what, what about your, your theology of justification by faith alone? <laughs> and the guys stand around and they, and they call Jesus and say, Jesus, look, it's a bit awkward. I, I think you made a mistake. I think... I think someone slipped in who shouldn't really be here. And Jesus says, no, I know him. He should be here. And the people go, well, why? On what basis does he need to be here? And 
Jesus would just say, because I said so. <laughs> what does happen to this man? There is something that happens to him. I think you see it in this passage. Uh, briefly, three things that I think change in him. He, he moves from mocking Jesus to recognizing Jesus. These are the three things I think that are happening. Here's the first one. He, he comes to this place and he fears God. Although he started uh, mocking Jesus, it's almost as he comes close to his death uh, and the other criminal keeps going. Uh, verse 40, we read this. And the other criminal repeats him, don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? He's seen something, something is happening. He's aware he's close to death. He's seen everything that's happened to Jesus. He's seen how Jesus is dying. He's seen Jesus praying forgiveness for his enemies. And something begins to change in him where sort of faced with his mortality, literally probably minutes away, he begins to fear. He begins to fear what lies ahead. And he fears God. And he thinks Jesus might have some answer. When I was in my, uh, the end of my first year in university, I, I nearly flunked my first year. I nearly had to resit it. Uh, I'd failed one of my exams. And, uh, and I had to resit. I had to go back early. And resit this exam, and if I failed it again, I'd have failed the whole year. That would have made me redo the whole thing. And up to that point, I'd be fairly kind of relaxed. Thought, oh, you need to have it. be fine. Just you know, don't take it. Nobody takes it too seriously. It'll be okay. But faced with this prospect of failure, I've got to stop mucking about. I've got to take this serious. I've got to get my head down. I've got to, I've got to put the work in because there's a real possibility. I'm going to fail and have to redo the whole thing. So this guy. When it, when it comes to the crunch, he gets serious. Faced with his mortality, he does actually, I think most people do, they, they begin to fear what lies ahead. And he particularly fears God. Second thing that he does is, uh, is he recognises Jesus. He begins to recognise Jesus, doesn't he? Do you know, do you know what he says in verse 42? I'll look a little down and put it in the reading. Um, hold on to you, you show the kids this. Verse 42, what, what does he say? He says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come in to your kingdom. Why is that significant? Well, think about it this way. What sort of a person has a kingdom? Who can say kingdom? King. Only a king can be said to have a kingdom. This man, as we've said, as he's, as he's watched Jesus, as he's seen Jesus pray, uh, forgiving his enemies, as he's seen the way in which Jesus dies, he comes to this, it's not only fear of God, but he recognizes Jesus, and he begins to work it out. Jesus must be the king. Jesus, this, this guy next to me, he, he must be the Messiah. Everything he's claimed, that notice says king of the Jews, I, I think this might be true. I, I think he is what he says he is. He is the king. He's God's king of God's kingdom. That's real. That's serious. I came across a story uh, this week of a uh, man. Uh, last year, uh, in May 2022, a man called Darren Harrison, who was, uh, was on a small plane, taking a, a short flight from Florida to the Bahamas. Uh, when uh, during the flight, the pilot is taken ill. Uh, and the pilot begins to struggle, complains of pain in his chest. Uh, 
and uh, he begins to lose consciousness, and eventually Ollie slumps <laughs> in a cockpit over the controls, kind of pushing them forward, and the plane starts to go to, to a nosedive. But Darren Harrison has no idea what to do, he, he, he just acts, he moves, he, he, he manages to get hold of a headset, starts calling for help, he, he grabs the, the controls, uh, and he's watching enough kind of movies to know he's probably supposed to pull back and try and rescue this thing. And he gets in touch with kind of uh, <coughs> the control on the ground. A little bit of a conversation went like this. Uh, Harrison says, uh, can anyone hear me? I've got a serious situation. Uh, the pilot's gone incoherent. I've no idea how to fly the aeroplane. Control says, ATC 333 Lima Delta, Roger, what's your position? He says, I've no idea. <laughs> I can see the coast of Florida. I have no idea. I don't know how to fly this plane. <laughs> And luckily, they managed to find somebody in the air traffic control tower who's also a flight instructor. And he came onto the radio and he begins to talk uh, Darren Harrison through what he needs to do, exactly how much speed, what he needs to do to adjust the speed and how to decrease that, and how to get the wings level and how to begin to locate uh, the runway back in Florida to, to bring the plane down to slow it. And ultimately, to land it safely. Nobody was injured. Nobody was harmed as he brought it down. And it's an amazing story. Anything you know. At that moment, it would be very weird, wouldn't it, if Darren Harrison said to uh, to, to a flight instructor, said, um, "Hey, listen, buddy, that sounds like uh, that sounds like really great advice. Thanks very much, but I think I could probably figure it out myself. Like, there's some really helpful tips in there, but you know what I think." I think I can make a pretty good fist of it. I'll, I'll push some buttons and pull some knobs and how bad can it be? We'll be okay. Do you know, many, many people do that with Jesus. Many, many people, they, they want Jesus as sort of a, a guru to give them some good advice. And they want Jesus to say, oh, yeah, there's some interesting things you've got to say. Oh, I'll, I'll sort of take them on board and maybe include them in the way in which I, I like to tackle life. But not this man. This man gets it. He sees clearly what he really needs to see, that Jesus is the king. That he's going to be coming into his kingdom as God's king. And therefore he is the one with whom he needs to do business. And this is the final thing he does. He asks for forgiveness. He asks for forgiveness. That might not be immediately obvious from the words he says, but I want to show you why he's doing it, what he's really saying. So in verse 42 again, what does he say? He says, Jesus... Remember me. Jesus, remember me. What is he asking? There's different ways we can remember things, aren't there? There's different ways we understand remembrance. Um, remembrance can be sort of a, oh yeah, I've forgotten that thing, I've, I've just brought it to mind. But remembrance can also be a sense of sort of to give focused attention to. So think about when we do Remembrance Sunday here, in November every year, it's not, we don't get together and go, oh yeah, I've completely forgotten about who we're boys. No, it's not, it's not we have forgotten, it's that we're choosing in that moment to give particular focused attention. That is what he's asking for. It's the same word used in the Greek translation of Psalm 8 in the Old Testament where the psalmist says, David says, what is man that you are mindful of him? It's exactly the same word. Essentially, the, 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 the criminal here is saying, Jesus, could you be mindful of me? Could you be mindful of my life, of my 
case that I called, could you be mindful of my plea? So he knows, doesn't he? He knows he's got, he's got nothing to offer. There's, there's nothing here which is going to help him. There's nothing here. This, this is only going to condemn him forever. And he knows this. All he can do is reach out and say, Jesus, can you, can you be mindful of me? Could you, could, could you remember me? Could, could you take me to be with you? Could you forgive me? It's a wonderfully encouraging little, little kind of uh, snapshot of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It tells you what do you need to do to become a follower of Jesus. It tells you it's all here, isn't it? What do you need to do? Do you, do you fear God? Do you recognize Jesus as the king? And then will you say, Jesus, remember me? Jesus, remember me? It's all that's required. And it's a great passage, isn't it, that helps us, perhaps you're struggling a bit with, with um, your sense of, okay, can it really be true? Yeah, how, how can I know that my name is in this book? Will Jesus really accept me? Because maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you've got like, so many questions. I really wrestle with, with, with quite knowing what, what to believe sometimes. And I uh, feel I've got massive doubts. Or maybe your feelings, your feelings are kind of up and down. And sometimes you feel great about your Christian life. And you, you love Jesus and you want to worship him. But sometimes you feel, you feel empty. I was talking to someone even this week. He said, I'm sitting in church and I feel empty. I don't, I don't feel anything. Sing those songs. I don't feel anything. Am I really a Christian? Uh, is my name really in that book? Maybe it's your struggle with guilt. Maybe, maybe guilt for something that you did in the past. Or maybe even guilt today for things that you keep struggling with. You think, I don't seem to be making any progress in, in trying to obey and follow. There's this one thing that just keeps getting me, keeps getting me, keeps getting me. How can I know my name is in that book? Can it be? Can I keep struggling in this way? I'm really call myself a Christian. Very simply ask yourself three questions. Do you fear God? Do you recognize who Jesus is? And have you said to him, Jesus, remember? That's all it requires. That's all it required of this, this thief on the cross, the criminal on the cross. That was all it required. But one more little thing to think about. You may be wondering, but how does that work really? How can that be just? If this guy is as bad as I've said he is, and he can do nothing to rectify, there's, there's nothing, he's literally about to die, he can't do any works to redeem himself, he's got nothing to bring to the table, how can it be just that Jesus accepts him? Surely he deserves to be punished. If you've never seen this diagram, I want to think about this diagram um, on the screen. Uh, the, three, the three crosses, and uh, you Oh, so the one in the middle is white. That's Jesus. He's seen the passage where the guy rebukes his friend. He says, he says, we are suffering justly for what we've done. We're on the black crosses. We, we deserve it. But this man is innocent. He's done nothing wrong. So what is Jesus doing now? Well, he came to bear our sin. He came to bear the punishment we deserve, the things we've done wrong, in our place to pay our penalty. So when the thief on the cross says, can you remember me? Essentially, what's happening is this. Jesus takes all of, all of his sin, all of his wrongdoing, so that his cross is clean. 
so that he is seen as innocent. See that? Jesus, the innocent sufferer, takes on himself our sin so that we might be genuinely forgiven. So we may be able to come into his presence with all assurance because Jesus has paid it all. It is all about what he did, not about what we do. Becoming a Christian is it's not like applying for a job. It's not like you, you submit your CV and you fill in the application form and you, you wait for the interview and then you hope to give the best account of yourself that you may get in. And we've got we have got nothing, yeah. We look through this, there's nothing that will get us admitted. The only way we get into the this is because we ask Jesus to forgive us for our sin. That's all he does. What is Jesus, what is Jesus answer? Isn't it wonderful? As, as soon as the guy asks, he, he doesn't wait. What should Jesus say? Jesus should say, take you. I don't think so. You are a rotter. You are, you're going to get punished forever. You deserve it. Take you. you. You were mocking me half an hour ago. You know, I should take you. Now, what does Jesus say? As soon as somebody makes that first move, Jesus, remember me, instantly the answer comes, doesn't he? No doubt, no hesitation, no equivocation. Truly, I tell you, today, you, me, paradise. Today, you and me will be in paradise. It's a wonderful invitation, isn't it? If you want to know how I follow Jesus, it's a three-word prayer. It's a three-word prayer to become a, a follower. Jesus, remember me. It's a great assurance to know, isn't it, that actually all he needs from you is for you to know your need of him. That's all he needs. That's all he needs from you. All he needs from you is for you to know your needs. And that's great assurance for those who are struggling with doubts, struggling with some doubts, struggling with guilt. Of course, it's great news to share, isn't it? Great news to share. 60% of the people around us think there's something. One in five of those haven't got a clue who is. Here is good. Here is good news. For the person who comes to Jesus, you fear God, you recognize Jesus, you ask his forgiveness. There's the promise today. You will certainly be with me in paradise. Let me pray for us before Barry comes to lead us towards the close. Our living Lord Jesus, we just amazed. We stand amazed. We stand in awe at your mercy. Knowing all of our faults, all of our shortcomings, maybe some things of which we are deeply ashamed. You know all of it. And yet, you came to pay for all of it. But all we have to do is ask you to forgive. To recognize that you have that power as the king. Ask you to forgive and you promise to receive us forever to be with you. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found his blind. Now I see. Open our eyes, Lord Jesus, that we may behold more of your glorious grace and mercy. For our good, chiefly for your glory. 
Amen.